welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So great. Good morning. Morning. Good to see you. As Mike Smith used to say, cheers to your health. <laughs> For those that know Mike. Um, excellent. Great to see you. How you going? Going good? Thanks, worship team. Thanks, uh, everyone involved so far. Just a good time. Um, I just love that we don't come in and out of God's presence. Isn't that good news? Oh, that's great news. Something that we've got to remind ourselves, that we don't actually come in and out of God's presence. It's, it's a common, um, it's common language in Christianity. And I guess, I'm not sure, some people say it thinking that, but maybe we say it thinking that we just feel it or we experience it in different ways, maybe. But wherever you are on that scale, just know that we don't come in and out of God's presence because that's an Old Testament mindset. The priests would do that. They would come in and out. Joshua would come in and out. Moses would go in and out. There were times where the Lord rested on people for appointments and assignments, but Old Testament is about coming in and out. And there was a distance, there was separation. And it's always been God's heart to dwell with his people. And it's always been God's heart to be one with you. It was always the plan from the beginning, from the garden. Always the plan to dwell among us, to dwell in you, to be with you, for you to know him well. Again, that Christian phrase, not to know about him, but to know him intimately acquainted. Moses said, I, 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 wanna, I don't just want to know your ways. I want to be, oh, I want to know your ways. I don't just want to see you do a whole bunch of stuff. I want to know your ways. Translated intimately acquainted with. To know your presence, to recognize your presence, to recognize your voice. What's he saying today? And he's inviting us into a new normal, in experiencing him for what he is like and what he has for us. What is your normal with God? We develop normals and patterns over the years with God. How he speaks to us, that's my go-to. How we recognise his voice, how we experience his presence, mindsets, beliefs, core values, Traditions, commitments, whole bunch of stuff in this life, this Christian life. We, we just develop these, these normals. And I love that the Lord's inviting us into a new normal. Jesus came to usher in a new normal. Holy Spirit came to usher in a new normal. I want to look at Genesis 1. You, you'll know this verse. Genesis 1, 1 to 3. Got it. How'd that get up there? That's a miracle. Are they up there? Wow. Message them to Mitch at like 10 to 10. Yeah. Let's just clap. Let's just, let's just, 
That, see, I mean, I just want to be real and honest with you. I don't want to, because I'm just shocked, just to let you know. It's, um, yeah, the Lord I had like five messages all week, and then this morning we get, we get a new one, which actually ties in, because I'm talking about what God's saying. It's one thing to know what God said, but it's a whole other thing to know what he's saying. So I think I just gave you away the spoiler, but anyway, <laughs> just wrecked it. Um, Genesis 1, 1 to 3, let's go. So they say these days, the kids, let's go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Good news. He did it, not you. He's God, you're not. And the earth was formless and desolate emptiness. And darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Verse 3 for us today. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Genesis 1, 3. We're going to launch out of this. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. The word said here in Hebrew has the connotation that it's instructing. So Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the deep. And the word said here has the meaning and the connotation of instructing. So who's God instructing? Holy Spirit. So the Trinity's always been at work. All throughout the Old Testament, the presence and the Son are seen. God said let there be light, and it was like a command. Presence, let's go. And light was made. He could have thought about it. He could have nodded. He could have pointed. He could have done a whole bunch of different things. But he chose to speak. We didn't make up speaking. He did. We didn't make up communication and communing and conversing. He did. He thought it was a great idea because he knew there would be experiences and feelings and seeing and hearing and entertaining and experiencing. And he thought it was a great idea that there'd be communication and sharing about what we hear and see and think about and feel. He thought that would be a great idea to invent speaking. From the beginning, it's always been God's heart to share with his people, to speak with his people. It's always been his desire to reveal, to share to explain, to invite in, to show, and to have conversations. It's always been his heart for you. Whether you know his voice, whether you know what the Bible says, whether you've experienced him or it, that's always been his heart for you. For you to experience his presence and to know his voice. And we see clearly and strongly that even when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and were separated 
from him, his heart was still there for connection and his heart was still there for communion and his heart was still there to be with his people. And he still made a way. Let's go Exodus 25, 8 to 16. Bit of scripture. But we love it, don't we? Exodus 25, 8 to 16. God said, let there be light and there was light. It's always been his intention to speak. It's always been his heart that we would experience his presence and know his voice. Exodus 25, 8 to 16. God instructing Moses, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle, a tent of meeting me, it was called, a tent where they met with God. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. Have them make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest 45 inches long, 27 inches wide and 27 inches high. Overlay it inside and outside with pure gold and run a moulding of gold around it. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its feet to its four feet, two rings on each side. Make poles from acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings at the sides of the ark to carry it. These carrying poles must stay inside the rings, never remove them. Verse 16, when the ark is finished, place it inside, uh, place inside it the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give you. So the presence of God, but he also makes note that the stone tablets were to be placed in the ark. It's always been God's heart to dwell with you and for you to know his voice. It's always been his heart for you to experience his presence and to know his voice. We don't come in and out of the presence, but we recognize the different ways that he wants to communicate and experience himself among us so that we can experience him. Instead of the original plan of living and breathing and walking with God all day, every day, God revealed his heart by giving them instructions. You can get rid of the scriptures when I finish with them. Thank you so much. Instead of the original plan of living and breathing and walking with God all day, every day, God revealed his heart by giving them instructions to make a tabernacle and to make an ark to build a place where he would dwell so his people could meet with him. Let's just look a little bit about this meeting place, this tent of meeting that he made because he's so good. Isn't he good? Exodus 33, 7 to 11. Now Moses used to take the tent. This is the one that he was instructed to make. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. Oh, just getting wrecked thinking about that. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. 
Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would stand and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Verse 11. So the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. It's always been his heart that he would speak and that his people would hear his voice and experience his presence. So God made a way. But life went on and people make choices, right, wrong, and different. We make choices. And God sets up structures and boundaries and rules and laws that feel like constricting, but they're to help. Because his heart has always been to dwell with his people. His heart has always been to dwell not just among his people or with his people, but his heart now seen in Jesus is to dwell in his people. And for you to experience that and to know that because of that, we're now one with God and we do not come in and out of his presence, although there are different dimensions to his presence, There's awareness that we need to grow in, recognizing the different ways that he speaks that are found in his word. And there were 613 of these laws. One of them's don't get a tattoo. One of them's don't eat red meat. One of them's don't cut your hair. I am condemned. I'm shamed because I could have this round bit at the sides rather long. <laughs> just just flowing. Just flowing. Like imagine if that was cool. It's just never not going to be cool. It's never going to be cool. It's unfortunate, the fry tuck look. <laughs> Could I bring it back? No. I could spite the sides. Have a little, little tail, a little rat's tail. Remember that? Remember when we used to judge kids with rat's tails? Anyway. Um, oh, fair call. No, no, no. So 613 of these laws. Heavy. It's just like, all right, we've got, to do, we've got to jump through hoops and we've got to do all these things so that I can meet with you, get to you, feel right internally. Because everyone's always wanted to feel right. Yeah? 
everyone since the beginning of time has always wanted to feel peace with God. Wanted to feel like there is a God. And, and if there is, that he would acknowledge me and love me because we're designed for that. He's put eternity in our hearts and the thoughts about us and contain uh, about us outnumber the grains of sand. Psalm 139, 14, I think it is. So it's always been his heart to reveal himself and to speak to all people. But because of choices that we make, things were put in place. And that ran for thousands of years until Jesus. So let's look at Luke 16, 16, one of my favourites, which is really a core scripture for this year. The law, 613 laws, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John came. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached, has been announced, has been announced. And everyone is forcing his way into it. Other translations say that everyone wants in. Because everyone's wanted to feel right with God. Doesn't matter, who, doesn't matter who you think the furthest friend away from Jesus is, they still put their head on the pillow every night and they're in their own head with their own thoughts. And they can look so far from God and it looks like there's no chance, but every single person on the planet was designed by God and for God to experience His presence and to know His voice. And to experience His love. That changes everything. So we've got these laws put in place, even in the midst of him wanting to reveal his presence and for them to know his voice. We've got these laws in place, but everything's pointing towards someone who would, who would come and change the setup, would change the model, would change the pattern. And that was Jesus. He came in to usher in a new normal. You've heard it say... But now I say to you, you've heard it say, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, hey, turn the other cheek. You heard it say, hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This law was preached until John. And since then, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed and announced. And everybody wants in because everybody was made by God and for God. Amen. All right, here we go. You okay? Yep. All right, another big chunk. Sorry about this. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry anymore because it's up on the screen. Because this morning I'm like, oh, man. How am I? All right, 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 4 to 11. So just before you put that up, just pull it off. Because everyone will read that and not listen. I want you to jump ahead. So we're looking at this. God made everything up. He thought speaking was a great idea because he loves us and he, and he wants us to articulate and communicate and converse and share with everything we experience with us and with him, yeah? yeah? Stuff went down. It's still his heart. So he said, make me an ark because I want my presence, I want my people to experience my presence on some level. 
And I want them to experience their sins atoned. So the priest is going to come in once a year on the Day of Atonement. Because I want them to feel, even in part, what it's like to be free. So this presence would go around. And I love, there's other things that were put in there that we could unpack for two hours. But I love that the stone tablets were placed in there. Because it's always been his heart to speak. And it's always been his heart to lay down and to reveal and to show people what he is like. If he doesn't reveal what he's like, we don't know what he's like. So Paul then jumps on this, the law and the prophets were until John. He jumps on this, that there's old covenant and new covenant. Paul really articulated the new covenant realities better than anyone else. He explained what Jesus was teaching and modeling in ways that are so inviting and encouraging. So Paul then tries to explain to this mess of a church in Corinth, absolute scene of a church, where they're just absolute mess. They were polytheists believing in multiple gods. It was like this this, um, travel hub, economic hub, this vibrant city, temple up on the mountain, the temple prostitutes used to come down at night and absolute run amok in the city. It was a scene. (laughs) What a scene. So Paul's dealing with this church and he's explaining the basic realities of the new covenant because they've been brought up with the old covenant and the distance and the coming in and out of the presence. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 3, 4 to 18. We carry, <clears throat> we carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Christ before God. Oh. We could go home. I'm going to read that one again. Just think about that, guys. Just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah? So just in your hearts now, you might see stuff. I encourage you. You might know it, but there's levels. So in your heart, just be prayerful. I want that. I want to experience that. We carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Christ before God. Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength. Great tension. For our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. Oh yeah, presence of God, thanks. Yet how much more radiant... Oh, hang on, sorry, here we go. Verse 7, even... The ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters on stone tablets in the ark came with a dazzling measure of glory, though it produced death. The Israelites couldn't bear to gaze on the glowing face of Moses, like we read about, because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. 
Yet how much more radiant is this new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us? For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? Wow! What once was glorious no longer holds any glory because of the increasingly greater glory that has replaced it. The fading ministry came with a portion of glory, but now we embrace the unfading ministry of permanent impartation of glory. Of glory. Verse 12. So then, with the amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak truth. Closing it out, verse 13 to 15. We are not like Moses, who used, to, who used a veil to hide the glory, to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed and hardened. For even to this day, the same veil covers their minds when they hear the words from the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. Verse 15. Until now, stay with me. Until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blindness comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted. And we're seeing that in this church people coming to the Lord and the veil lifted and Christ coming in and changing lives. Amen? Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit and where He is, the Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to Him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the Lord's glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into the very same image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen? It's a lot of scripture, I know. But it's great to, to read and ponder that. Jesus came to usher in a new normal. Well, and just before Jesus was about to start his public ministry, we know that he was in the wilderness led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. Said he was led into the wilderness, but actually says that when he finished, he came out in the power of the Spirit in Luke. And just before he went into the wilderness, the son said, this is my son in whom I've well pleased. So he stamped his approval and acceptance on Jesus. So he, he stamps his approval and acceptance on you before you do anything. But then Jesus went into the wilderness. Jesus went into the wilderness approved by the father. But then on the 40th day or around that time, the enemy comes and starts mouthing off, starts yapping. Oh, if you're the son of man and he's starving, it says he's hungry. So he says, if you are who you say that you are, turn these rocks into bread. 
because he's hungry. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's always been God's heart for, for us to experience his presence and to know his voice. It's not what God said that brings us life. It's what God is saying. And what God says will never contradict what he's said. Whenever God speaks to us, he's never going to contradict what he said. But we have to move from what he said into what he's saying. Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father say. In the beginning was the word. Jesus is the word. He knows every verse, chapter, because he is it. He knows the old covenant, the new covenant, back to front, upside down, left and right. He is it. He knows it. But he still said, I only say what I hear my father say. Jesus was modeling that we're moving from principles to presence. We're moving from just knowing what God said into knowing what he is saying. And it was that important that when the disciples asked Jesus, how's this whole kingdom going to work? What do we pray? What do we do? He said, oh, okay, this is what I want you to say. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, which is every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's always been his heart. He put the tablets in the ark, presence and word together, not one or the other. Do you know what one of the Holy Spirit's job descriptions is or actually titles is? John 13, 16, is it? 16, 13. I think it's 16, 13. The Spirit of Truth. So the Holy Spirit poured out to rest on us for others and to make us like Jesus. But he's also called the Spirit of Truth. And Jesus, talking about him, says, And when he comes, the Spirit of Truth, he will guide you into all truth. Why does he want to guide you into all truth? Because when we know the truth, we are set free. It's always been his heart that we know him and we live in freedom. It's always been his heart that we experience his presence, that we know what he's like, that we know what he's said, so that we can know what he's saying and we can experience his presence and know his voice. Moving from principles to presence. We are suckers for religion. So often we just want to be told what to do. 
It was like, yes, no, God. But what is he saying? Like, what is he saying? Like, this is the, this is like critical for us because we're not living from a book. We're living from a person. And, and so, so much of Christianity is Father, Son, Holy Scriptures. And we value that. Authoritative. God-breathed, God-inspired. Useful for teaching and preaching, correcting, rebuking. 1 Timothy 3.16. It is what it is. I've got no doubts that what I have right now is what God wants me to have right now. I can't afford to, to start going, you know what? Not sure how it's translated. I can't afford to. Because if, I tell you what, this is really elementary. If I've, if I've had all those desires that every person has had about wanting to be close to God and with God and have peace with God and assurance and peace and joy and, and, and security and safety and knowing that there's a God out there that sees me and loves me, if I had all those feelings that have been met and the symptoms have been articulated in here and the diagnosis has been articulated in here and the medication and the remedy and the answers have been articulated in here and it's all been confirmed in my heart, then I've just got to trust that what I hold in my hands is the eternal Word of God, unblemished, exactly how He wanted me to have it. Call me naive, but I can't afford not to. And if we don't think like that, then we are on shaky ground when we're out and about, which is our main life, in knowing what he said. Because we can't know what he is saying unless we know what he's said. And if we don't think what he said is true and real, then we will never value it to the level that we think it's him which consequently puts us in a, a strange position when we're about to pray for the sick. Puts us in an odd position when we're going through it and we need something to grab onto. If we don't know what he's said, we can't know what he's saying. And what he is saying is life to your soul. So part of the issue that we have when Christians just go through it forever, a lot of it can come back to the value that we place on this. Paul said, let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 1.16. Hebrews says that the Word of God is powerful and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It divides even to joints and marrow, soul and spirit. He wants to move us from principles to presence. Formulas to fullness. Natasha, you could jump up. That'd be really great. I won't speak for 16 minutes with you on keys like last week. 
not TD Jakes. Don't need a hanky. Moving from principles to presence. Spirit of truth to guide us into all truth. Holy Spirit loves grabbing truth. And leading us into experiencing the Lord in that way. Fruits of the Spirit were never just meant to be, you better live like this. And if you're not, then you're falling short. It's evidence of the Spirit's work in your life. So that's a mirror for you. It's really confronting. The fruit of the Spirit active in your life is evidence that the Spirit's work in your life. (laughs) It's annoying, isn't it? But before it's that, Jesus is those things. And they are meant to be experienced. You're not just meant to do them and be them. You're meant to experience Him like that. So you're meant to experience God as love and as peace and as patient and as kind and as faithful and as gentle. And you're meant to experience the vastness of how He thinks and who He is before you do them. Because you're not meant to do them. You're meant to experience Him like that and an encounter and transformation happens, and then guess what happens? You start to live out like what you've been with. Metamorphosis. Meta, to be with. Could speak for four hours today. Anyone bring lunch? Shh, thank you, God. For your word, God for your voice, that your word and your voice are not in disconnect. Let's just go into encounter time. Just lean into the Lord. Yeah, thank you, God, that your word and your voice are not in disconnect. We want to know what you're saying because what you're saying brings life. So that means that when we're going through it, we can... Read the scriptures, what, 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 he, what you have said. But then what's going to happen is you're going to speak in that moment. You're going to highlight what you've said and bring it into your current voice. And that is life to our soul. We can't just pluck out what you said. And just grab a hold of random verses that are on our pillow or coffee mug and, and hope everything works out. It's still true and it's still great, but there is more. And it's knowing the current voice of the Lord, which is coming out of your relationship with Him, your history with Him, your trust of Him, your, your confidence that His Word is His Word and He is who He says that it is. Jesus said, My words are life and spirit. Peter said, we cannot leave you because you have the words of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus.